Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Radar One Podcast, the radical way for discussion. I am your host, Ivan Hakis, and as always, thank you for tuning in. Glad to have you all back on this episode, which, by the way, is a really good episode, I thought. But before I get into that, I wanted to let you all know where to find the show. For social media, you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Radar One Podcast. And to listen to the show, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to leave your comments and reviews wherever you listen to the show. Let me know how I'm doing. I want to know if I need to make any changes, if I need to stick to what I'm doing, or to simply just talk. I did want to give you a heads up on this episode here. The audio on my end was a bit off, so... It'll have like a hollowish effect. I tried and tried to to correct it, but no luck on my end. So don't let that take you away from the great episode and interview that I had. So with that being said, my interviewee today was a podcaster by the name of Joe Hawthorne, who is the host of his very own podcast called American Trader in which he discusses American traders in U.S. history. So it's a really, really good podcast if you're into history, or heck, you don't have to be into history. If you just want a good story, I recommend you all check his podcast out. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready, Radar One Podcast is ready, let's talk. Joe Hawthorne, who is a um, host of his very own podcast called American Trader. How's it going, Joe? It's going uh, as well as it can be. I don't know when uh, when we're going to release this, but right now I'm also in my uh, studio bunker in New York City <laughs> in the uh, center of the you know coronavirus uh, pandemic. So <laughs> I- I'm doing fairly well. I- I'm staying healthy. How crucial is it up there? Because I know I have a friend who's uh, who's up there in New York. He's a firefighter up there. And I know he just went through some, some pretty crazy stuff. And he's doing better now. But how is it out there for you? Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> It, it, it's been fair for me. I really, I should count my blessings. Um, I've been in, in a good spot. Um, my my girlfriend is actually a nurse though. So um, I get a lot of like the secondhand uh, stories and, and know that it's really, you know, intense in Manhattan and pretty much in all the, the five boroughs. Um, and I heard, yeah, that like a lot of firefighters um, were sick the past week or two. So it's like... Um, Someone described it like a slow burn, like a a bear that you know is coming for you, <laughs> but, it's, but it's not here yet. But you know it's coming. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm uh, pretty young and healthy. Knock on wood. Um, I, I do think I'm gonna get sick at some point, um, just because I, I live with my girlfriend and you know she's out there in the field. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary though, right? We're pushing through. It, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, all my family's in New York City, and a lot of them are older than me. So it's uh, 
it's nerve-wracking whenever my mom goes outside for groceries. I'm like, ah, I really wish you would just, uh, you know, give in to Amazon, but... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or or go vegan or something. Something simpler to, to make at home. I don't know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, she she's really um, defensive that she's part of this, like, uh, food co-op. So she... Um, you know, they, they have times organized and they like really stagger people so that like, um, uh, you know, older customers can go first and have a lot of space. Um, but going outside in general is scary. And, you know, if, if you have any kind of preexisting condition, like some of my family have diabetes, then it's like, you just never know. Um, so it's a scary time. And <laughs> I don't know if I told you before, but right before this all hit, I was actually traveling through Europe, so I've oh, been wow. through all the hot zones. Yeah, except for Wuhan, I've been to all of them. See, I know, I know, down here where I'm at, um, we just hit 350 cases, I believe. Nowhere near what you guys have up there, but wow. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, um, I mean, it, it shouldn't have surprised anyone, especially when it's going to like people eventually go back to cities like. Uh, New York, um, you know, if you don't even know, you don't know New York geography, there's a bunch of like cities and towns nearby. So someone got it and then was in a small town to the north, but took the train in every day, and so that whole town was like cordoned off. But it was only a matter of time um, before it really got into the city. So we don't know. It's kind of like a like a movie, huh? Like you you never expected for this to happen in our lifetime i mean we see the movies and we're like oh yeah that's scary hopefully it never happens to us but we're kind of living something similar to that right yeah i mean i guess the only consolation is that it could be worse um but that's a a a grim way to look at it um it's like yeah i never expected a situation where everyone would just be bunkering down inside their own house but at the same time like the grocery store is still open and we're not actually like at each other's throats it's a weird situation it seems like things are not necessarily like getting significantly better in new york yet but they're like there's more of a plan in place and more of a system um so that's good to see so that's where i am and i'm just at home uh (laughs) trying to you know stay as sane as i can like all of us out here are as well man it's Hopefully this ends soon, but I was going to say it's a it's a it's a great moment if you have a podcast or a hobby or something to, you know, buckle down and get some great content with that done. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we're here for. Now, uh, with that being said, man, I know you kind of just went over a little bit about your situation out there in New York. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like other hobbies aside from podcasting that you enjoy doing? Sure. So um, I'm from New York, born and raised, uh, made a few uh, <laughs> various life trips outside to go to college and to um, basically work various jobs uh, abroad. So I've had a, a pretty, you know, interesting set of experiences in my life. But uh, in my free time, um, I always really love to learn about history, to, to read, do my own research, um, you know, even though it's funny for me being from New York, but I really like to get outside and try different things in the outdoors. So I've tried my hand at working on farms and um, doing trail crew work um, up in the beautiful state of Maine. Um, so I really try and, you know, find a mix of 
giving my head in the books as I really am doing now. And, you know, hopefully when this all passes over, I'm having a chance to go back up to more forest and foliage. Get back to the good life, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I saw on one of your profiles that you like uh, doing yoga and ultimate frisbee. How is that for you, man? Like ultimate frisbee, you know, is something that you probably get into in elementary school, but never think that you can possibly enjoy it as an adult. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny actually. Um, ultimate frisbee uh, or fris just playing frisbee in general was something that I picked up um, when I was in school, and it you know I was a little bit out of shape then, um, didn't have the best eating habits, and all other stuff that you know sometimes you develop as a a young kid. But that really changed my life in some ways because when I was um, in middle school, especially, I started playing a lot of ultimate frisbee, um, and it really encouraged me to learn how to do long distance running. Um, and build like endurance, uh, be able to eventually do half marathons when I was in high school. Um, so that really helped, um, you know, give me a new outlook on fitness. And eventually I ended up um, in high school and then in college, um, and then once or twice after college, going to, um, you know, various like big organized tournaments. Um, have you, uh, do you have any experience with Ultimate Frisbee yourself, Ivan? Well, I've, like I said, I've never. I haven't played it recently. I know a few years ago I attempted to do like a family gathering and play it that way. But I would say that my the most exposure I've had to that would be, you know, elementary school when, when you would get together with the friends and, and just, yeah. you know, <laughs> something different aside from football, you know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, of course. Um, it's like, you know, it's like dodgeball. It's like, a, you know, kind of a schoolyard um, game. But for... Um, you know, especially in college, there's like these big whole tournaments and, um, like, uh, it's kind of on the scale of at this point, most universities and most major cities have some kind of like organized really? team. Um, and there's professional leagues now too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am nowhere near being a professional ultimate Frisbee player, but there are people that get paid now to play or <laughs> before the, the crisis get paid to play ultimate Frisbee. Um, so, you know, the thing that I, that I tell people sometimes is that Bill, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Nye was one, organized one of the, the first ultimate Frisbee teams, um, at a university and he still plays today. So it's like, um, you know, a funny kind of sport that's, um, got its own culture and, um, got its own growth. Uh, and then, yeah, as well. Um, so I, was diagnosed with scoliosis uh, when I in my late teens. So doing yoga um, has been a, especially a good way for me to kind of balance the physical work that I'm doing or the things that strains I'm putting on my body. Um, I'll give a shout out to <laughs> to a, a local Texan of yours. Um, I follow this Texan yoga instructor to do a lot of her videos. So she's in Austin, but. Um, you know, shout out to yoga with Adrian. That's awesome. I do know that yoga provides a lot of different um, benefits, you know. Ben something that a normal gym or a normal workout can't meet, yoga does it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, something that I've learned a lot is how it really helps with, like, digestion and kind of organizing your internal organs so that you, like, there's kind of a science behind your body feeling more in place and more centered. Um, 
And honestly, just practicing breathing is really important for keeping your body healthy and able to do other things like even play football or play, um, you know, other physical kind of sports. Here I am recording a podcast when I can be out there playing some ultimate frisbee, having some fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, (laughs) you could do ultimate. You could do, um, you know, some some meditation in the morning. Um, but pretty much, you know, ultimate frisbee taught me that if there's a, you know, if there's a hobby you have, there's probably some weirdo playing it, um, organizing a league for it at this point too. (laughs) Why not? Right. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned that you are a history fanatic. I'm actually one myself as well. Maybe not as as familiar to it as you might be because I, I believe you actually studied it i just kind of like following it from the history channel documentaries some youtube videos and one thing that i like about history is that it tends to uh repeat itself whether that's good or bad you know we're kind of going through something like that now where we have this pandemic going on Something similar like this happened back, what, in the early 1900s with the uh, Spanish flu, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, I forget the name of this book now, um, but there's there's a really great book um, that was written in the 70s about the Spanish flu. Um, and it really, like, it's one of those comparisons where sometimes, you know, people like, uh, you know, whenever there's like a demagogue or a... Um, you know, a terrible world leader, people always compare them to Hitler, and it's kind of like an <laughs> overused analogy. But in the case of the, the, or Stalin, you know, Mao, um, but in, in the case of like uh, the Spanish flu, there's really a lot of great comparisons to that um, in the way that people kind of like slowly learned about it and it spread quickly. Um, of course, the thing that I, you know, point out to whenever my, my relatives or other people are really nervous is the Spanish flu reached a lot of its peak in the middle of a world That's war. That's scary. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's a good thing that we're not in the middle of, of a war of a world <laughs> war or anything nearly like that. Because, um, you know, there's these reports of, like, um, young men getting on ships to go uh, from the U.S. to France and getting off and, like, literally collapsing on the ground. And, you know, just the terrible stories that kind of... Honestly, some of the details remind me of... Um, you know, the way that African slaves were shipped to um, the U.S. It wow. was that brutal. Um, so the, the fact that we're not forcing people to do that <laughs> it, it, definitely. is definitely a leg up. <laughs> um, but the kind of <laughs> the, the kind of paranoia and the spread. Um, and I think the way that people um, People in the early 1900s, I think in some ways, have the very similar view of science as like a real trust in like scientific institutions and like that there's a science behind everything. Um, And so to not have answers to the Spanish flu in a similar way that we don't have all the answers about um, COVID-19 is a pretty interesting perspective to think about. so, yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Um, and I do like when the, the themes of history kind of repeat. Yeah, that's that's definitely, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, one of my favorite parts about history. But what got you into history? Like, why, why history? Why not a different subject or a different hobby? Why history to you? 
Yeah, I think um, for me, and this goes back really years and years. This is like <laughs> before I was even playing Ultimate Frisbee. Um, <laughs> history always just stood out to me in class and, um, you know, like, I guess uh, family trips because I loved a good story. And I think for a lot of people, too, you know, <laughs> true crime podcasts are really big and true history is really big. There's something about a good story that also is real. Exactly. That, like, you can kind of... You can almost, like, uh, you can feel, you can, like, uh, I went to a church years ago where they were, like, Abraham Lincoln sat here. And so, like, everyone wanted to sit in that seat because it yeah. felt like you were kind of touching Abraham Lincoln. So so I think there's just always been an appeal of, like, a good story that's true. And that's honestly something that, you know, making a podcast, as you know, is, like, uh, a nice balance of how to figure out how to tell a a true story in a good way, in a way that you can convey your excitement to other people. I know that uh, every time I bring up any history to my wife, she gives me that look like, oh my God, here you go again. Shut up. You know, I don't care about history. <laughs> she tells me history was my worst subject in school. And I'm like, history is one of the best subjects you can actually get into. I mean, there's so much stuff that we could know, we should know. That a lot of people don't really care about because, well, it's history and it's boring, and but it's not to some of us, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really like, I, I mean, I, I love that because like, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that your wife just hasn't found the right history that she, so too. she's interested in. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, history, you know, in some ways, like a lot of subjects connects to everything else. So like... If you are interested in math or you're interested, um, you know, in medicine to give things that, that don't seem connected to history, like, there's still a lot of ways that it, it does overlap. So, for example, my girlfriend, um, I mean, I, she's fairly interested in history, but, you know, she doesn't necessarily want to hear me go on about it forever. Um, I try to find her books or, or movies that are about things that, like, have to do with nursing or have to do with... Um, other subjects like that so i kind of i don't say i tricked her but i like got a a book about a hospital that she used to work at in the history of that hospital and that goes through this whole medical history of the u.s and through the history of new york but it's like focused around the hospital so it's like connected to her but it's also connected to everything else that i'm interested in too um so it's a beautiful thing yeah you know what that's a, a pretty uh, cool approach and how to get somebody involved or interested in history is trying to connect them in a way that relates to them. And you know what? I honestly haven't thought about that. And I might give it a shot with my <laughs> wife, see if she's into that. Well, I maybe part of it too um, <laughs> is you got to see how you can get interested. Like if maybe you get interested in like the things that I don't know, she's interested in through history or through like whatever science well you know what with that she does work in in the medical field as well so similar to of, of how you did it with your girlfriend i can probably do it the same with with my wife and see if she can you know get into history that yeah way. yeah <laughs> i mean you know maybe it's a uh is she the kind of person that uh rolls her eyes when you're like oh i heard something on a podcast yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you got to find the right <laughs> yeah exactly. the, the right trick but yeah. no i mean it's you know you, um uh, you keep trying things until they work and 
um, you know, hopefully it doesn't it doesn't fit um, or it fits rather before you're, you're in your 80s or 90s. Like, have you ever, uh, you know, you might be watching a documentary or a movie or reading a book. Have you ever kind of like put yourself in that time? World War Two, World War One, or the yeah. Philippine War. Like, do you ever put yourself in that situation? Like, start playing scenarios in in your mind. Like, man, if I was back in the fifties, you know, well, how would I? What would I do in this situation? Oh yeah, I, you know, definitely. Um, I always do that, and that's that's tons of fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, um, I'm 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 thinking now. Obviously, like, uh, we'll talk more about it. But uh, my podcast is is about specific characters during yeah the 1900s during the the Philippine American War um so that's something i definitely think about and i guess it's like a matter of sometimes i put myself or i try to put myself in the mind of someone who's like just an average schmuck on the ground and sometimes like you read a lot about let's say Abraham Lincoln or like Teddy Roosevelt or something and you get it in their head um part of why i like the audio format is I really like the way that some uh, narrators or hosts really like force me to do that more than I necessarily think or want to. So I, I don't know. I'll give a shout out to Hardcore History. Have you ever listened to Hardcore History? No, I've not. Um, uh, it's it's like an excellent one of these like long form shows. The <laughs> The host Dan Carlin does three or four hours. So if you have the patience to sit down uh, for really intense hardcore history, he definitely does a lot of that. Like he, he has this kind of way of phrasing it. Like um, I don't necessarily want to be the guy on the ground, but I want the <laughs> hot air balloon that goes over the battle, so I can see what it's like. But then I can escape really quickly. So I, you know, you don't you don't want to be like conquered by like the ancient Mongols, but you want to see them doing it. You were curious about. So yeah, it's like. A lot of history is, is, uh, you know, brutal and bloodshed. So it's like, how deep do you want to like go in this like hole of, um, you know, fear and masochism? (laughs) So you also mentioned to me that you taught a little bit of history, Mm -hmm. specifically in different parts of the world. Or can you you go into that a little bit? How how was it for you doing that? Uh, So, yeah. So. Uh, if you couldn't infer already, I, I studied history in college uh, as well, um, which, uh, you know, most of my family is like, oh, you're going to teach. And, and then if you're not going to teach, well, why would you get a history degree? Um, <laughs> so I, I spent some time um, teaching, you know, in various forms. Um, at first, I was like a test prep instructor. Then um, I was hired as basically like an instructor slash teaching assistant for this school in China. Oh, wow. Um, specifically these high schoolers that, yeah, they, they, well, they learned English. Uh, it was kind of an advanced, uh, program where they wanted to prepare for university level courses. So I worked with professors and then I taught classes on my own that were about mostly history about, um, you know, writing and like essay writing and things like that. So I always loved history and it was a really interesting time to help teach high schoolers that were not from the United States about U.S. history. I guess it's kind of like (laughs) teaching American kids about world history sometimes. Um, But it was interesting to be on kind of the other foot where like 
there's a big chance that this like 17 year old doesn't know who Abraham Lincoln is. Like, why would they? Um, Or, you know, maybe George Washington. So like, how do you balance that? Like, where do you start? Um, You know, what like audio or visual mediums do you use? And then I also, I don't know if you just mentioned this before, but I used to work um, at a history museum later on. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so I worked at uh, this museum in New York City called the New York Historical Society, um, and I was a educator and also an outreach educator there, which basically meant that at one um, side of things, I would do tours and workshops with uh, mostly school-age students in the museum, and then I'd also go to a lot of uh, schools and do like weekly lessons or weekly workshops using either replica or real artifacts sometimes from the museum as basically like objects telling stories about history so i always really loved that um i don't necessarily have the the resources to make all my own replica items but it was like awesome to show someone like a world war ii helmet and have them actually touch it and feel like part of history yeah that's awesome man yeah that's awesome and like when you were out there in in China, did you ever have like a did your students find interest in what you were teaching, or were they were like, ah, I don't really care about U.S. history. Teach me Chinese history. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's that's a really um, that's a good question. It's a tough question um, because part of the U.S. and Chinese education systems are different. So, it's um, as a as a non-native Chinese person, um, sorry, I. I as not being a native Chinese person, um, it wasn't always necessarily clear to me if people (laughs) were humoring me or they were really interested. I think it was a a mix of both, but no, I would definitely say that our approach, especially because it was more college oriented was intriguing to some of our students. Um, because a lot of the study for Chinese history is memorizing this battle, this date, this like emperor, whereas our approach was more about having um, conversation and persuasion about, um, you know, what you think of certain events. So like, do you think Lincoln should have done this or, you know, like, um, you know, prove to me that, um, like, segregation right. was a big problem in the 1900s, stuff like that. So trying to get people to, like, think more critically or prove things. Is, is teaching something you might want to get back into later on? <laughs> um, that's <laughs> something that um, one of my friends who who is a math teacher now, he really actually wants me <laughs> to uh, go back into teaching and, <laughs> and apply for a job at his school. Um so it's something that he was really pushing me to do before. It's something that I would be interested in. But to be honest, a few years ago, I took a step back because I wanted to have the opportunity, especially being younger, to try new things. Um, so we might get into it a little bit, but I used to also work at a, a veterans nonprofit um, for a couple of years. Um, so I wanted to have more of, of, of a mix of experiences, but I do love talking and teaching about history. So it's TBD. That's awesome because, and the reason I asked that is because I've also myself considered uh, getting into the, the teaching aspect of it and, and going about it that way. You know, I enjoy history so much 
that I could possibly teach younger people, like teenagers, to love it as well, you know? You said high school, right? Middle school, high school, one of or those. Middle school, high school. So you, you have, like, the, the certain, like, craziness bug to, to want to work with, with tweens and teens. Um, That's one of those looks where my wife gives me that. She's like, hey, you're crazy for wanting to work with teenagers and and preteens and the attitudes that they have. Why would you want to do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I've I've worked with, with, like, pretty much – yeah, no, I've worked with every age because I've, I've even – I've done like little classes with uh, preschoolers as well, and yeah, preschoolers <laughs> are cute. Um, you know, five year olds are cute, but if you want to like, you know, help kids or students develop like critical thinking and you know really engage a little bit more, uh, and you're willing to like put in the craziness <laughs> to, to work with the older kids, I think there is something really nice about working with like a uh, a set of older kids. You know, I think maybe uh junior or senior high schoolers <laughs> might be in the most uh, relaxed of them uh, in some ways but you know it's yeah <laughs> yes exactly well you know i think eighth grade is maybe like the craziest year of all <laughs> that's that's the one year yeah yeah <laughs> um that's when they let loose between being a, a tween and a teen but yeah <laughs> how old's your son my son oh he's he's still a baby he's four and i have a, an eight-year-old oh, okay. eight-year-old daughter so they're they're still a, a ways away from getting into history <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh so i wanted to to kind of move over to to your podcast because you got something good going i i think especially if there's listeners out there that enjoy a good story I feel like the way you approach your podcast is is interesting and and it's unique because you tell a story from people in history that might have not been as as well known. So you you brought in the uh, the the horizon there in a sense. You inform us of these mysterious people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the. Um... <laughs> to, to to narrow down um you know uh, my podcast uh i try my best anyway to to focus um on this uh this soldier david fagan who um was a, a black enlisted soldier at the turn of the 20th century so 1900 and how he went into the the philippine american war which is a pretty forgotten war today, but it was kind of this. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I pretty maybe an understatement. It, it it's a very <laughs> uh, overlooked war today, um, which is why I was drawn to it. But uh, you know, the way I try to compare it to um, for for modern people is it's a lot like um, the the counterinsurgency in the Iraq War. Um, it's very similar in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of historical comparisons. And so I spent a lot of time reading and being interested in uh, the Philippine-American War and the whole era around that, uh, the, like anti-imperialist right. era, things like that. And I spent a lot of time thinking of how to tell that story. Um, so like you said, I, I think there's really a value in finding people who have like a fleshed out story, but they're not necessarily known about. So David Fagan... Um, thanks to a few, uh, you know, actually very uh, intrepid writers and like 
independent researchers um, really were able to flesh out a lot more, as well as a few other people that I get into in the story as well. But my goal with the podcast is really to use the stories of specific people to tell a larger story about America and the Philippines and the world in uh, 1900. So your podcast is titled American Trader, and basically what you do is you get these these people in history, of course, and you tell about how they betrayed America, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, David Fagan, that the soldier, is one um, example. Um, and you, you know, all listeners will have to listen to, to to more of the story to get all the details. But essentially, you know, he he enlists for several years. He reenlists, and he decides. Um, because of really like the the brutal experience he had with some of the, the officers um, and the brutal experience of the war to desert and to join the Philippine um, army. So very literally a traitor to the U.S. Army and the United States. And then some of the other characters that I get into as well, you know, the question is who's like, who's a traitor, who's American? Um, but there's this journalist that, um, you know, basically is going to kind of, skirt u.s law there's a uh, uh, filipino generals that um are going to be enemies of the u.s but it's like argued if they're american or if they're filipino because america invades the philippines so like a lot of contested questions of who's a traitor um what does it mean to be a traitor to the u.s and you know well <laughs> what does it mean to be part of the u.s in the 1900s that's interesting and uh, i actually wanted to bring up have you ever seen that tv show uh, called turn it's no longer out but it's it was out a few years back yeah i actually um a few months ago uh, i saw it was on netflix and i was oh, like yeah. sick at home and i i binged that for a while so that that was part of my inspiration yeah and uh how, how accurate do you think that was i mean oh that's a good question um i was trying to figure that out a little bit and i looked it up I think <laughs> it's one of those shows that is surprise. It is very inaccurate at certain points, but su- still surprisingly accurate for how dramatic it is. So, like the the characters in the in the in the TV show, for the most part, did in fact at one point live right, but the the back end yeah, story yeah. of it, the way they they did certain things in that TV show, was probably not. To the T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's like, um, I think that's a huge thing. Um, you know, for my show, it's, um, you know, more of a straight telling of history. So a lot of the details um, that I use are things maybe that aren't necessarily about David Fagan specifically, but I'm bringing in different details and like different context and trying to weave an interesting story. Um, but I really at some point want to make like a drama as well. Um, that's something that's always interested me. And so the question then is, where do you mix the line between like a good story, a good drama and a real story? <laughs> and it's a hard thing to do when you want to like get people interested in history, um, especially, you know, for the Revolutionary War, because things 300 or 200 <laughs> so years ago move really slowly (laughs) you know it takes a while for each person to meet each other but you know some of those people i was looking up after i watched the show were 
Yeah, they're yeah. still they're really interesting, but they weren't necessarily all connected to each other. So it's a it's a it's a art of weaving. So do you have in the future a plan to talk about Benedict Arnold? Oh, that's a good question. Um since he was probably the most notorious American trader in history. <laughs> yeah, he's he he's uh, you know, his name is synonymous with being a, a trader. Um that's a good question. You know, that wasn't <laughs> maybe surprisingly so that wasn't my first reaction. I'm my, like my next interest is thinking about ways to tell the story about um Liberian history. Because oh, wow. I think that's a really interesting overlooked yeah um you know because it's a uh, uh, the history of Liberia is um <laughs> a very mixed history but it's um you know freed slaves being sent to kind of colonize a small um country in Africa um so the questions of who's american and you know who's betraying who um, again, are really interesting. So that's where I was looking next. But Benedict Arnold <laughs> is also a really good idea. <laughs> and that's what I like about your podcast. Like I mentioned earlier, you give us the story of 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 people that are not commonly known, or that a simple article in Google can can tell us, hey, this person in this time was this this type of person. You know, like. That's that's what I appreciate about your podcast is the story from unknowns in a sense. Yeah, th thank you. Yeah, no, and that's that that's I want to be um, you know, l like yourself, I want to be um interviewing or doing research on people that genuinely interest me. Um and I think there's so much richness in in looking at something that I like didn't learn at all in uh middle school or high school. So one of my favorite books uh, I don't know if you ever read this one, but it's called Lies My History Teacher Told Me. <laughs> um, and it's just all about like things that, you know, uh, your your textbook um, wouldn't dare talk about. So I think that uh, things that I cover my podcast, um, you know, to make it sound cooler than it may be, um, are like part of the lies that my history teacher told me. Uh, what's one of the goals that you ultimately have for your podcast? Like, do you plan on doing this? you know, for the long term as a hobby or, you know, what's, what's something that'll keep you going? Yeah. So part of it, as you can probably guess, is, um, my, my love of history. Um, I want to really share that, especially history that I think has been overlooked. Um, I think that the turn of the 20th century and all the chaos, um, and gore and controversy, um, is really worth exploring. Um, one of the other things that I want to do with this too is that I've been transitioning myself from a career in education and nonprofit to um, audio editing and production. So I will use this as an opportunity to shout out if you listen um, and you like what you hear or you hate what you hear, um, you know, to, to please email me um, or, or send me a direct message or whatever else, um, and let me know. Um, so one of my biggest goals is to improve from this. Uh, you know, if you listen to <laughs> some of the more recent episodes, you'll hear more sound design and more dramatic music. Um, so if you hate that or love it, or you hate my voice <laughs> or love it, um, you know, th that's my shout out to, to please reach out because my biggest goal is to spread the word and then also to 
you know, Im- improve how I tell history as well. Um, for whoever is listening, if it's just my grandma or it's a bunch of people's <laughs> grandmas. Um, so yeah, that that's my little plug. Um, and then other otherwise, uh, you can you can find this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I do have an Instagram that I, I sometimes <laughs> use that has interesting pictures on it of um, the whole time period. Um, that's uh, American Trader podcast on on Instagram on uh, you know all the the various search engines and and things that you can look out there for. Um, so please do reach out. Please let me know um, you know if you you hate it or love it. I'm definitely going to uh, follow you on Instagram because that's where I, I hang out the most. Instagram is, is, is my go-to right now. Yeah, yeah. If You um, <laughs> you don't have to follow this one too, but I I also have a, uh Instagram where now it's gotten to a point where I just um, eat different, um, you know, expired oh, wow. foods that's that I find in my house. So <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's my, my other personal brand too. Yeah. Um, I will, you know, I've been looking at this the entire time we've been recording. Um, I'm going to shout out if you like, um, you know, you think you like my Instagram or you're interested in, uh, you know, uh, 100-year-old cartoons. I've been looking at this book called The Forbidden Book. um, And it's just full of cartoons um, and pictures from the time period. So if you want a really um, shocking coffee table book, it's a great read, um, especially in this time to have some interesting history images to look at. So it's called The Forbidden Book. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, I'm a big check that out. um yeah. yeah, it's it's great. It's it's what I use for a lot of my image inspiration um because the the cartoons from 100 years ago were just so rich and colorful um and also like a lot of them are really problematic today, but <laughs> they really tell you <laughs> as you might not be surprised to uh to learn but um, they really, you know, looking at them tells you a lot about what people were reading and thinking a uh, hundred years ago. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth uh, checking it out. Uh, finally, man, I had one more question for you, and uh, I hope you don't mind me asking. But it's a question that I've been asking people that have been coming on the on the show. <laughs> the question is, is what has been one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from it? Oh, man, there's... <laughs> <laughs> so many i can <laughs> i know man sorry <laughs> <laughs> i gotta pick one um hmm. i've been in a position where i've i've been like a manager for other employees of uh, people below me and i feel like i haven't always like given them honest or like good enough feedback um and so i had an employee uh, semi-recently that was fired um and that really surprised them um i didn't make the final decision but you know I-, I think that i could have done better um to be honest with them to to make sure that either they knew it was coming or that they could have better improved to to not be in that position um and i felt like because i didn't give them as honest um you know a sense of 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 where they were that I failed them in that way and that's something that I still like uh you know come to terms with and and try and figure out how to not be like a a bad guy but be a more realistic person so that people can 
improve based on what I'm telling them? Yeah, that's a, that's a solid answer. And one of the reasons why I tend to ask that question is to basically have the guest uh, open up and use this platform to kind of say something that they don't want to tell somebody to their face or or afraid of the consequences <laughs> that it might bring if they were to speak up about it. So that's why I use this time to kind of ask the people that, that come on the show to tell us something about themselves that they don't tell a lot of people, you know? Yeah, no, and it was um, something that, no, I appreciate. Um, I appreciate being <laughs> surprised and, and trapped by it because um, it, it's something that I, I would have liked to do better, obviously, but also talk about um, more because, you know, that's uh, especially today when a lot of people are getting, um, you know, fired exactly. or let go for for reasons that aren't necessarily their fault either. You know, it's it's important to think about, you know, if you're someone's boss or you're you know in charge of someone else, what can you do to make sure that they have their job? Because um, it's that serious stuff and that's like people's lives. So it, it's something that I definitely, uh, you know, learned from. That's that's interesting, man. And honestly, like I mentioned or like I said earlier, it's a solid answer. And it's probably something that you don't want to maybe it would take you some time to bring it up to somebody, right? I mean, it's not something that you can just... Obviously, me asking you the question kind of threw you off a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, like... Uh, like I mentioned, my girlfriend, she knows about it. Um, and, you know, people uh, are close to know about it. But it's not necessarily something that, um, you know, I, I always... <laughs> It would be a, a, a weird thing necessarily to go up to someone, um, you know, that I'm an acquaintance with or I'm on an interview and be like, yeah, I really failed this person um, as a kind of boss. So it's it's a tough thing to talk about. Um, but, you know, those are often the best things to talk more about. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, well, Joe, I want to I wanna thank you for your time. And I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come on the show and, and talk a little bit about history, about your, your goals, your podcast and some tough questions here and there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, <laughs> thank you for having me on. It is a real pleasure. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to hearing more of these interviews and these <laughs> tough questions that you're going to throw other people's way. So <laughs> thank Hopefully you can, uh, you can come back at a later day and, uh, tell us a little bit more about how much, of your podcast has already yeah. expanded. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to uh, <laughs> I'll have to grow my podcast a lot. I'll have to grow my uh, my career too and give you a lot more content. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, and that's a good goal for me to set. So thanks, Ivan. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs>